On Account of a Hat by Sholem Alechem. Did I hear you say absent-minded? Now in our town, that is, in Kasrilevka, we've really got someone for you. Do you hear what I say? His name is Shalom Sachna, but we call him Shalom Sachna Rattlebrain, and he is absent-minded. Is this a distracted creature? Lord have mercy on us. The stories they tell about him, about this Shalom Sachna, bushels and baskets of stories, I tell you, whole crates full of stories and anecdotes. It's too bad you're in such a hurry on account of Passover, because what I could tell you, Mr. Shalom Alechem, do you hear what I say? You could go on writing it down forever. But if you can spare a moment, I'll tell you a story about what happened to Shalom Sachna on a Passover Eve. A story about a hat. A true story. I should live so, even if it does sound like someone made it up. These were the words of a Kasri Levka merchant, a dealer in stationery. That is to say, snips of paper. He smoothed out his beard, folded it down over his neck, and went on smoking his thin little cigarettes, one after the other. I must confess that this true story, which he related to me, does indeed sound like a concocted one, and for a long time I couldn't make up my mind whether or not I should pass it on to you. But I thought it over and decided that if a respectable merchant and dignitary of Kasri Levka who deals in stationery and is surely no literateur, if he vouches for a story, it must be true. What would he be doing with fiction? Here it is, in his own words. I had nothing to do with it. This Shalom Sachna I am telling you about, whom we call Shalom Sachna Rattlebrain, is a real estate broker. You hear what I say? He's always with landowners, negotiating transactions. Transactions? Well, at least he hangs around the landowners. So what's the point? I'll tell you. Since he hangs around the landed gentry, naturally some of their manner has rubbed off on him, and he always has a mouth full of farms, homesteads, plots, acreage, soil, threshing machines, renovations, woods, timber, and other such terms having to do with estates. One day, God took pity on Shalom Sachna, and for the first time in his career as a real estate broker, are you listening? He actually worked out a deal. That is to say, the work itself, as you can imagine, was done by others. And when the time came to collect the fee, the big rattler turned out not to be Shalom Sachna Rattlebrain, but Drobkin, a Jew from Minsk province. A great, big, fearsome rattler, a real estate broker from way back. He and his two brothers, also brokers, and also big rattlers. So you can take my word for it, there was quite a to-do. A Jew has contrived and connived, and has finally, with God's help, managed to cut himself in. So what do they do but come along and cut him out? Where's justice? Shalom Sachna wouldn't stand for it. Are you listening to me? He set up such a holler and outcry, Look what they've done to me! That at last they gave in to shut him up, and good riddance it was too. When he got his few cents... Sholem Sachna sent the greater part of it home to his wife, so that she could pay off some debts, shoo the wolf from the door, fix up new outfits for the children, and make ready for the Passover holiday. And as for himself, he also needed a few things, and besides, he had to buy presents for his family, as was the custom. Meanwhile, time flew by, and before he knew it, it was almost Passover. 
So Sholem Shachna, now, listen to this, ran to the telegraph office and sent home a wire. Arriving home Passover without fail. It's easy to say arriving and without fail at that, but you just try it. Just try riding out our way on the new train and see how fast you'll arrive. Uh, what a pleasure. Did they do us a favor? I tell you, Mr. Sholem Alechem, for a taste of paradise such as this, you'll gladly forsake your own grandchildren. You see how it is. Until you get to Zolotivka, there isn't much you can do about it, so you just lean back and ride. But at Zolotivka, the fun begins, because that's where you have to change to go on to the new train, which they did us such a favor by running out to Kasrilevka, but not so fast. First, there's the little matter of several hours' wait, exactly as announced in the schedule, provided, of course, that you don't pull in after the Kasrilevka train has left. And at what time of night may you look forward to this treat? The very middle, thank you, when you're dead tired and disgusted, without a friend in the world except sleep, and there's not one single place in the whole station where you can lay your head, not one. When the wise men of Kasrilevka quote the passage from the holy book, Tov Shem Meshem and Tov, they know what they're doing. I'll translate it for you. We were better off without the train. To make a long story short, when our Sholem Sachna arrived in Zolodivka with his carpet bag, he was half dead. He'd already spent two nights without sleep. But that was nothing at all to what was facing him. He still had to spend the whole night waiting in the station. What shall he do? Naturally, he looked around for a place to sit down. Who ever heard of such a thing? Nowhere. Nothing. No place to sit. The walls of the station were covered with soot. The floor was covered with spit. It was dark. It was terrible. He finally discovered one miserable spot on a bench, where he had just enough room to squeeze in, and no more than that, because the bench was occupied by an official of some sort, in a uniform full of buttons, who was lying there, all stretched out, and snoring away to beat the band. Who this Buttons was, whether he was coming or going, he hadn't the vaguest idea. Shalom Sachna, that is. But he could tell that Buttons was a no-dime-a-dozen official. This was plain by his cap, a military cap with a red band and a visor. He could have been an officer or a police official, who knows? But surely he had drawn up to the station with a ring of bells, and had staggered in, full to the ears, with meat and drink, laid himself out on the bench, as in his father's vineyard, and worked up a glorious snoring. It's not such a bad life to be a Gentile, and an official one at that, with buttons, thinks he, Shalom Sachna that is, and he wonders, dare he sit next to this buttons, or hadn't he better keep his distance? Nowadays, you can never tell who you're sitting next to. If he's no more than a plain inspector, that's still alright. But what if he turns out to be a district inspector, or a provincial commander, or even higher than that? And supposing this is even Perishkovich himself, the famous anti-Semite, may his name perish. Let someone else deal with him. Shalom Sachna turns cold at the mere thought of falling into such a fellow's hands. But then he says to himself in Hebrew, Tov Shem Mishem Tov, literary, a good name is better than a good oil. 
A common interpretation of the proverb is, a good name is better than even the best or fine things on earth. This, Buttons, he says. Who the heck is Buttons? And who gives a hang for Perishkovich? Don't I pay my fare the same as Perishkovich? So why should he have all the comforts of life, and I none? If Buttons is entitled to a delicious night's sleep, then doesn't he, Shalom Sachna, that is, at least have a nap coming? After all, he is human too, and besides, he's already gone two nights without a wink. And so he sits down on the corner of the bench and leans his head back, not, God forbid, to sleep, but just like that, to snooze. But all of a sudden, he remembers. He's supposed to be home for Passover, and tomorrow is Passover Eve. What if, God have mercy, he should fall asleep and miss his train? But that's why he's got a Jewish head on his shoulders. Are you listening to me or not? So, he figures out the answer to that one, too. Sholem Shachna, that is. And goes looking for the porter, a certain Yeremi. He knows him well. To make a deal with him. Whereas he, Sholem Shachna, is already on his third sleepless night and is afraid, God forbid, that he may miss his train. Therefore, let him, Yeremi, that is, in God's name, be sure to wake him, Sholem Shachna, because tomorrow night is a holiday, Passover. Easter, he says to him in Russian, and lays a coin in Yeremi's mitt. Easter, Yeremi, do you understand Goyesherkopf, our Easter? The peasant pockets the coin, no doubt about that, and promises to wake him at the first sign of the train. He can sleep soundly and put his mind at rest. So Shalom Sachna sits down at his corner of the bench, gingerly pressed up against the wall, with his carpet bag curled around him so that no one should steal it. Little by little, he sinks back, makes himself comfortable, and half shuts his eyes. No more than forty winks, you understand. But before long, he's got one foot propped up on the bench, and the other he stretches out and drifts to sleep. Sleep? I'll say sleep, like God commanded us, with his head thrown back and his hat rolling away on the floor. Shalom Sachna is snoring like an eight-day wonder. After all, a human being up two nights in a row, what would you have him do? He had a strange dream. Sholem Shachna, that is. He tells himself. He dreamed that he was riding home for Passover. Are you listening to me? But not on the train. In a wagon. Driven by a thievish peasant. Invins Lodi, we'll call him. The horses were terribly slow. They barely dragged along. Sholem Shachna was impatient, and he poked the peasant between the shoulders and cried, May you only drop dead, Ivan, darling! Hurry up, you lout! Passover is coming! Our Jewish Easter! Once he called out to him, twice, three times, the thief paid him no mind. But all of a sudden, he whipped the horses into a gallop, and they went whirling away, uphill and down like demons. Sholem Shachna lost his hat. Another minute of this, and he would have lost God knows what. Whoa there, Ivan, old boy. Where's the fire? Not so fast, cried Sholem Shachna. He covered his head with his hands. He was worried, you see, over his lost hat. How could he drive into town bareheaded? But for all the good it did him, he could have been hollering at the post. Invin the thief was racing the horses as if forty devils were coming after him. All of a sudden... They came to a dead stop. 
right in the middle of the field. You hear me? A dead stop. What's the matter? Nothing. Get up, said Invin. Time to get up. Time? What time? Sholem Shachna is all confused. He wakes up, rubs his eyes, and is all set to step out of the wagon when he realizes he has lost his hat. Is he dreaming or not? And what's he doing here? Sholem Shachna finally comes to his senses and recognizes the peasant. This isn't Invin's Lodi at all, but Jeremy, the porter. So he concludes that he isn't on the high road after all, but in the station at Zolodivka on the way home for Passover, and that if he means to get there, he better run to the window for a ticket, but fast! Now what? No hat? The carpet bag is right where he left it, but his hat? He pokes around under the bench, reaching over, until he comes up with a hat that's not his own, to be sure, but the officials with the red band and visor. But Joel Shachna has no time for the details, and he rushes off to buy a ticket. The ticket window is jammed. Everybody and his cousins are crowding in. Shalom Sachna thinks he won't get to the window in time, perish the thought, and he starts pushing forwards, carpet bag and all. The people see the red band and visor, and they make way for him. Where to, Your Excellency? asks the ticket agent. Who's this Excellency all of a sudden? wonders Shalom Sachna, and he rather resents it. Some joke, a Gentile poking fun at a Jew. All the same, he says, Shalom Sachna, that is, Kasri Levka. Which class, Your Excellency? The ticket agent is looking straight at the red band and visor. Shalom Sachna is angrier than ever. I'll give him an Excellency so he'll know how to make fun of a poor Jew. But he thinks, oh well, we Jews are in dysphoria. Do you hear what I say? Let it pass. And he asks for a third class ticket. Which class? The agent blinks at him, very much surprised. This time, Shalom Sachna gets good and sore, and he really tells him off. Third, says he. All right, thinks the agent. Third is third. In short, Shalom Sachna buys his ticket, takes up his carpet bag, runs out onto the platform, plunges into the crowd of Jews and Gentiles, no comparison intended, and goes looking for the third-class carriage. Again, the band and visor worked like a charm, and everyone makes way for the official. Shalom Sachna is wondering, what goes on here? But he runs along the platform till he meets a conductor carrying a lantern. Is this third class? asks Shalom Sachna, putting one foot on the stairs and shoving the bag into the door of the compartment. Yes, Your Excellency, says the conductor, but he holds him back. If you please, sir, it's packed full, as tight as your fist. You couldn't squeeze a needle into that crowd. And he takes Shalom Sachna's carpet bag. You hear what I'm saying? And sings out, Right this way, Your Excellency, I'll find you a seat. What the devil? cries Shalom Sachna. Your Excellency, Your Excellency. But he hasn't much time for the fine points. He's worried about his carpet bag. He's afraid, you see, that with all these excellencies, he'll be swindled out of his belongings. So he runs after the conductor with the lantern, who leads him into a second-class carriage. This is also packed with to the rafters. No room even to yawn in there. This way, please, Your Excellency. And again, the conductor grabs the bag, and Shalom Sachna lights out after him. Where in the blazes is he taking me? Shalom Sachna is racking his brains all over this excellency business, but meanwhile, he keeps his eye on the main thing, the carpet bag. 
They enter the first class carriage. The conductor sets down the bag, salutes, and backs away, bowing. Shalom Sakhna bows right back. And there he is, alone at last, left alone in the carriage. Shalom Sakhna looks around to get his bearings. You hear what I say? He has no idea why all these honors has suddenly been heaped upon him. First class, salutes, your excellency. Can it be on account of the real estate he just closed? That's it. But wait a minute. If his own people, Jews that is, honored him for this, it would be understandable. But Gentiles, the conductor, the ticket agent, what's it to them? Maybe he's dreaming. Shom Shafna rubs his forehead, and while passing down the corridor, glances into the mirror on the wall. It nearly knocks him over. He sees not himself, but the official with the red band. That's who it is. All my bad dreams on Yeremy's head and on his hands and feet, that lug. Twenty times I tell him to wake me, and I even give him a tip. And what does he do, the dumb ox? May he catch cholera in his face, but wake up the official instead. And me, he leaves asleep on the bench. Tough luck, Sholem Shachna, old boy. But this year, you'll spend Passover in Zolodivka, not at home. Now get a load of this. Sholem Shachna scoops up his carpet bag and rushes off once more, right back to the station where he is sleeping on the bench. He's going to wake himself up before the locomotive, God forbid, lets out a blast and blasts his Passover to pieces. And so it was. No sooner had Sholem Shachna leaped out of the carriage with his carpet bag than the locomotive did let go with a blast. Do you hear me? One followed by another. And then, good night. The paper dealer smiled as he lit a fresh cigarette, thin as straw. And would you like to hear the rest of the story? The rest isn't so nice. On account of being such a rattlebrain, our dizzy Sholem Shachna had a miserable Passover, spending both satyrs among strangers in the house of a Jew in Zlodovica. But that was nothing. Listen to what happened afterward. First of all, he has a wife, Sholem Shachna that is, and his wife... How shall I describe her to you? I have a wife. You have a wife. We all have wives. We've had a taste of paradise. We know what it means to be married. All I can say about Shalom Sachna's wife is that she's a number one. And did she give him a royal welcome? Did she lay into him? Mind you, she didn't complain about him spending his holidays away from home, and she said nothing about the red band advisor. She let that stand for the time being. She'd take it up with him later. The only thing she complained about was the telegram. And not so much the telegram, you hear what I say, as the one short phrase, without fail. What possessed him to put that in the wire, arriving home Passover without fail? Was he trying to make the telegraph company rich? And besides, how dare a human being say without fail in the first place? It did him no good to answer and explain. She buried him alive. Oh, well, that's what wives are for. And not that she was altogether wrong. After all, she had been waiting so anxiously. But this was nothing compared to what he caught from the town. Kasrilevka, that is. Even before he returned, the whole town, you hear what I say? Knew all about Yeremy and the official and the red band and the visor and the conductor's Your Excellency. The whole show. He himself, 
to Om Shahana, that is, denied everything, and swore up and down that Kasri Levka's smart Alex had invented the entire story for lack of anything better to do. It was all very simple. The reason he came home late, after the holidays, was that he'd made a special trip to inspect a wooded estate. Woods? Estate? Not a chance. No one bought that. They pointed him out in the streets and held their sides laughing. And everyone asked him, How does it feel, Reb Sholem Shekhana, to wear a cap with a red band and visor? And tell us, others said, What's it like to travel first class? As for children, this was me to order for them. You hear what I say? Wherever he went, they trooped after him, shouting, Your Excellency! Your Excellency! Your Most Excellent Excellency! You think it's so easy to put one over on Kasri Levka? On Account of a Hat by Sholem Alechem Read by Yonatan Grossman and Tamara Crawford Sound Effects by Sound Bible And Opening and Closing Music by Bach <laughs>